Welcome to the Selling Without Sleeves podcast with me, Sarah Jolly Jarvis. I'm here to share with you real life stories from high performing salespeople and business owners, as well as my own insights and learnings around what's working well right now in the sales world. Telling things like it is without the sleeves. Hello and welcome to today's podcast. It's me, Sarah Jolly Jarvis, and I am here on episode 37 to talk to you about uh, your ideal customer and what are you doing to make them swipe right on you. So, um, yeah, before I start with my quite obscure title for today's podcast, which I'll tell you a little bit more about, I first wanted to do a quick update for you and also just actually touch on a subject that I mentioned in uh, last week's podcast. And that was regarding uh, referrals and and the power of referrals and developing relationships with your clients, even if they can't buy from you again. Um, And what I mean by that is, you know, you may be producing a one-off product or a one-off service, which is very unique to a particular time um, that a customer is in. And after that time, they don't need that product anymore. I'm thinking for, for, you know, very a basic example, but wedding services. Um, you may get some repeat business, but um, you'd like to think that you know that person will use you the once. They can't use you again, but they can recommend you, or they're unlikely to use you again, but they can recommend you. So you know, if you're a wedding dress shop, for instance, um, you know, giving somebody really great service, giving them a really amazing experience, they will tell their friends, and they will get their friends to come along, and and you know, have that experience too. Um, and so you know, don't. Don't be afraid to make that investment, even though that person won't come back to you specifically for um, repeat business. One example of that is a client that I had when I first started out a few years ago doing sales training. And, you know, she is very well connected. She has some great people in her network and I am still getting referrals from her. I haven't spoken to her directly for coming up to three years but I'm still receiving people um, on recommendation and referral from her. And so I actually do find out how she's doing through the people that she's referring. But, it, you know, it's amazing that that person, they remember me when somebody needs somebody who can help them with their sales, help them to develop their business. She, every time she's referring them to me, um, which is just wonderful. They're long-term relationships that even if they're not seeing them, even if you're not touching base with them, you know, they can come to fruition. And it just goes to show the value of treating your customers well, giving them a good experience because, you know, they will recommend you. And people are fundamentally nice in the vast majority of cases um, and they want to be helpful. People are fundamentally helpful. And so, you know, they want to refer people to you. They want to get help people out. And, it, and it's really nice. So there you go. Do not underestimate the power of referrals. Obviously, they come to you very warm. And um, they're very easy to convert. So uh, make the most of the relationships you build with your ideal customers. Um, A little bit on business activity for you. Uh, We're already beginning to put the wheels in motion for um, the end of Q1 next year. So, yeah, I appreciate that January is a little knocking on the door of, of, of things now. But when you're thinking, oh, yeah, three months on from that. Um, but, you know, three months is 12 weeks. And actually, they go by in a flash. And before you know it, um, particularly when you're building out, which is what I've discovered this week, well, yeah, this week, thinking about actually the different stages and the different parts to um, where I want to be at the end of March. So basically the beginning of April, you know, these things when we're talking websites and we're talking assets, they take time to build out. And so actually, when you start thinking, well, finding somebody 
hiring them, giving them a brief, getting them an initial draft back and then build, actually three months is nothing. So it's definitely uh, worth bearing in mind that before you know it, you're already behind, which is where I am now. I'm looking at my website development, but you know, let's move on from that. So moving on to today's topic, you know, where has my, obviously it's a reference to Tinder. For those of you which didn't know, I just about knew that you had to swipe. I did think it was swipe right if I had to go out of the two. Um, But thanks to the youths in the office, uh, when we were talking around the content for the podcast, apparently USPs, just saying USPs is a bit boring. And so, um, yeah, the swiping right thing was a lot more eye-catching, which, yeah, I can appreciate that. And what what I did let it slide on, though, was the fact that at the end of the day, I'm always banging on about sales being like dating and the building of a relationship and so I thought you know I'll let them have their little moment um and and I will use that the suggestion because to be fair it's pretty decent but you know fundamentally what we're talking about here is is what is making you unique and actually you know in those profiles I appreciate it's a picture and a little bit of a blurb obviously I had to do a little bit of research on this but you know it's not <laughs> tinder is not something that I've ever ever used it wasn't around when I was dating which which makes me feel quite old but you know, it, it's the, that little bit of information, that little bit of a snippet, and uh, obviously a picture in, in in the case of Tinder to attract people and get people's attention. How are you getting pe- your ideal customer's attention? How are you attracting them to you in your market? Now, we've just been through a very busy time of year for any B2C or the vast majority of B2C uh, businesses. You know, if you're producing products or services that people can gift, then you have been right up there being super busy. Um, so hopefully you're, you're sat there listening in, in some sort of like semi-food coma right now to this podcast. But, you know, it's a it's an example of a time where there's lots of shouting, there's lots of noise, and there's lots of um, pressure to, you know, basically you need to stand out, you need to make yourself different. How on earth do you do that? Well, your unique selling points, okay, your USPs are what will help you to attract your ideal customer and make them realize why they should choose you over your next competitor. Okay, when you start on selecting between competitors, you obviously never want to go down the route of price. There are so many examples of people who, you know, competed on price. The supermarkets compete on price and, you know, now their producers miss out. And and fundamentally, in the long term, I would like to think that it will come full circle and, you know, that will pain the supermarkets themselves to be fighting on price because they're driving it down for their producers, but they will get to a point, you know, I've been privy to people supplying in the past supermarkets and and large organizations who they've just been like, you know what, actually it's not worthwhile. Um, And then obviously the number of suppliers goes down and then they have to, you know, that, that balance of power can then shift. And so competing on price is always a bad move, but what should you do then? What should you be working on? You know, it's if if it's noisy, if there's a lot of of people bustling for the for the same person's money, um, then how are you going to stand out? And you know, I see price as a as, as a quite a lazy way of doing it. It's a lazy way of differentiating yourself and getting that quick buck. The problem is, it is a quick buck. Then you are in a position where you're going to struggle in the longer term because you've devalued yourself. Okay, so if you you've got to think of your value a bit like your reputation in that you you don't want to compromise it as soon as you're letting people have the same service or product at a lower price 
they very quickly become accustomed to that price and they're very against looking at, at spending more. And so you know you don't want to be in that position. What do you need to do? How how do you go about creating your unique selling points or your unique selling proposition, as some people call it? Well, you've got to think back to, wait for this, this is not going to come as any surprise for those of you which listen to the podcast on a regular basis. You've got to think about your ideal customer. Okay, you've got to think about what's important to them. There is no point banging on to them about how, you know, what you offer uh, has 28 features if actually there's only one feature that's important to them. You know, there's no point saying to them that everything, you know, this comes in 10 different colors if they're only interested in getting it in black, if that person's only interested in the functionality. So um, my MacBook Pro only comes in um, a very masculine gray or sort of a darker gray color, um, not the nice rose gold that my uh, MacBook Air came in. Um, now, obviously, they've done their research on this. And for whatever reason, I'd like to think it's because, um, I don't know, I'd like to not think it's because it's, it's just a bloke thing and, and they expect guys to the people who have MacBook Air Pros and you know the heirs are aware the women tend to, to stop purchasing but for whatever reason they've they've decided or they think they've decided or they think they know their ideal customer and don't need to produce it in as many colors but the functionality the, the what's going on under the under the hood as it were what's going on in the computer is what attracts people to that product and and the color is is, is kind of irrelevant and they're right yeah I was attracted by the technology that was going on and what that meant to me as a user. Um, and so I was, I was willing to overlook the fact that it didn't come in in that nice rose gold color. It was knowing their ideal customer. And it was knowing how important those things were or they weren't. And so it's understanding, making it specific to your ideal customer, what's important to them, what's that going to mean to them? You know, if it has this, you know, if it, it processing speed, what does that mean? That means that you can run multiple things at the same time. That means that you can be re- downloading something at the same time as doing other stuff, or you can be uploading something to a site whilst working on another bit of software uh, without slowing down the computer and making it sound like it's going to take off. You know, letting them know what that means to them is super important. You need to make your USPs genuine. Okay. Um, you can't claim something that actually is false. Well, you can. You can obviously claim something that is false. But I don't think, you know, it's not doing you any favors. And I'd rather you not um, ever admit that you listen to my podcast or my materials if um, that's the approach you're going to take. Um, because it's really important, in my opinion, to um, to be genuine with your ideal customers, to, to, to provide them with genuine offers, to provide them with uh, genuine claims so that they can, you know, there's, if people are building their trust on you being this person, then you need to live up to that. Um, and just to put that into context, obviously I have a story because I just love my little stories and going off on one. But I remember working with a client who was very much, you know, my body is my temple and I, I eat healthily and I don't put any, you know, anything that might contaminate my body and, and I, you know, you need to look after it and et cetera, et cetera. And they attracted that customer base and um, they were talking around it their resources were around that that was one of their it was their usp um it was something that was unique about them they they lived there they they walked the walk and then somebody tagged them in a photo of them being wasted on a weekend and that was all a bit awkward because obviously their ideal customer didn't expect them to do that and that wasn't in line with the body's my temple i will not poison it and so instead of 
of of being honest and saying, well, actually, my body's a temple Monday to Friday, and on the, on the weekends, I sometimes go a bit crazy. Um, in which case, they would have they would have attracted those sorts of people. But they chose not to do that. They chose to go with sort of a very sort of Puritan approach. And that meant for for their ideal customer that they felt quite alienated and like they'd been led down the garden path. They couldn't actually relate to this person. And so obviously it really affected their audience um, and their audience size and how switch on their audience were. So make it genuine, live up to your USPs. If you can't live up to them, then don't have them as a USP. The easiest way to be consistent is to be yourself. Coming on to that, the vast majority of USPs when I work with clients to work through their USPs comes back to them uh, and their skill set and their experience. You are the only person who's been on your exact journey. You know, even if you've got a twin, they've they've done different things. They've gone, they've had different experiences. You know, you are uniquely you. And so looking at your experiences and, and what's the journey that's got you to where you are now um, is a very good way of, of figuring out what your USPs are. And again, what does that journey mean to your ideal customer? I said in last week's podcast around there's no point in boasting around being in the industry for 20 years if you've been shocking and your results have been rubbish and you know if you're a producer you've been around but actually you've been around and no one's ever bought anything from you then then there's no value there what does that mean what does that time in the saddle mean to your ideal customer what what will that mean to them um and and if, if you know hopefully it's important to them it's important to them you know if it's the fact that you've been there done that then that is an element that they they want from you. They want that been there, done that. If they want somebody who's is you know fresh faced and and bushy tailed and and not not been through it and seen it, and then you know that's not going to be a USP for them. Don't be afraid with your USPs to specialize down. Now I'm going to use a, an example here of PTs. Okay, personal trainers, nutritionists, people who are helping people to get thinner to be less fat to be healthier this is your time to shine people are about to decide on their new year's resolutions that they're going to keep till probably mid-february but well, it's statistically shown actually um there's this science to back me up here but um you know if people are looking for for people to support them in that journey personal trainers i've spoken to personal trainers who have said hand on heart there really isn't much difference between me and the other guys out there, as far as sort of internet ones, uh, internet-based uh, PTs are concerned. And, you know, that's quite sad. And for me, that is a, a non-negotiable thing. You you can't just be like, our oh, hands up. Actually, I'm not that special. You you can't go about trying to sell like that because when you get that that question of, you know, what, what will you provide that other people won't, you know, why should I look at working with you versus just going on and, and looking at a Joe Wicks workout? Um, what's the difference here? What's the difference between you and the next PT, which is offering services online? The big thing here, which can really help you is to specialize. Okay. I have met now so many different PTs specializing in so many different things. It's insane. But it works because you stop being that run of the mill. I'm just a regular PT who's gone online to being somebody who really knows their stuff. You know, I've specialized in this area. And if you want this outcome, and that's the important thing is selling that outcome. If you want this outcome, then I am for you. And, you know, having spoken to, to people and, and looked at, at the industry, it's amazing the impact that can have 
when you start to say, actually, I specialize in this, this is where my specialism lies. Because, you know, I remember years ago going into a, um, into a very cold, actually, like warehouse place where you would buy dog food. And um, it was, um, I was searching through, I was trying to find the one for my dogs i mean you can go on and on anybody who's a dog owner you know you've got the age then you've got the breed and then oh my word it can go on and on sensitive skin sensitive digestion oh on and on it can go but there's all these different variants and i remember looking at this certain this one bag and i was like oh there was a space where the one that i should have got for my particular breed of dog at a particular age with a particular preference um should have been and actually it wasn't there it was empty and i said to the guy oh when are you going to get that in stock and the guy was like well um probably next week but that's exactly the same as this one here and I was like, what? And it was the same brand, um, but it was for a different age range. I was like, but that's for, I think it was like for over sevens or something. And he was like, yeah. He said, actually, that one and that one. And he pointed down the row of the brand and he was like, that one, that one, that one. They're all actually the same. And they're just put into different bags. I, that, I found that, well, actually, I was a bit mortified that somebody had really got me by marketing in that way. I felt a bit cheated really. But after I got over that, I was quite impressed. You know, it's an impressive concept that that, you know, they'd looked at people's desire to have a specialist type of food for for their dog. People were reassured with the fact that this was specially blended for that type of dog. And bearing that in mind, um, they then went about purchasing it. Now, I think actually they've got a lot smarter and they make the biscuits different sizes and all sorts of stuff now. Back in the day when they first started specializing in different breeds and ages, yeah, there was quite a lot of uh, just putting them into different packets because people were after that reassurance. And, and I do know, um, having watched it come off a production line, that a very well-known brand of cat food and um, went into a cheaper version and a more expensive version. Um, because again, people wanted that reassurance that they were giving their cat the best. And, and it's amazing, but being clear and differentiating down and, and specializing. So, you know, differentiating yourself from the others by specializing in what you do can really help you um, to stand out. Because when people want that particular um, support, they, they go after that and they, and they get it from you. I always liken it to surgery. Do you want a general surgeon who does a bit of everything uh, operating on your brain? Or do you want a brain surgeon? Need I say more? I could have just not done the dog food one, couldn't I? Just done that one instead. But make sure, you know, if you can, if you are in a market where, you know, it's kind of ten a penny, specialize. Make yourself unique. Okay, and do the training around it so that it's a genuine thing. Okay, don't just start claiming it without having the, the substance to back it up. Keep learning is another key one. I, I'm very much a, a fan of this one. Um, <laughs> living with Martin, who is like a serial learner, he just never stops. But it, it's really important that you keep moving ahead of your competitor. So it's very easy, you know, as I say, to be unique, to be uniquely you. But when you start with st staying still and not moving forwards, not progressing, not developing yourself, that's how you end up with these like dinosaur gurus where they're still dining off the work that they did 20 years ago when the market was very different but they're still doling out the same advice because they haven't moved on they've stopped implementing and they've stopped learning and and with that um they stand still 
and they get overtaken. You know, you have these little new jump starts who are, you know, hungry for it and they're willing to put in the hours, they're willing to put in the training, they're willing to put in the in, in the, the hard graft to to get their knowledge up to scratch and to keep progressing. And they overtake people and they overtake them because they have new skills, because they've kept learning. So do yourself a favor. You are never the finished article. Okay. Keep learning, keep progressing so that you're constantly moving the goalpost. You're constantly that one step ahead of your competition who, you know, for all you know, may be trying to, to mimic exactly what you do and have exactly those skills, that exact background and everything else. But if you keep moving, you're keeping changing the goalpost. You're making it very difficult to people to replicate you. Those are my top tips for helping you to create your USPs. You know, USPs are super important. They help you to explain to a customer why to choose you over somebody else. If you can't explain to a customer why they should use you over somebody else, then you need to address that problem now. Um, there will be, once uh, my website is up and running, there will be information on there regarding it. So if you're watching this on catch up, watching this, listening to this on catch up, and um, that may be an option for you. Please do spend some time to to have a look at and review where your business is at. Look at those USPs, freshen them up, get them relevant to your ideal customer. If you're thinking, oh, who is my ideal customer? Spend a little bit of time working on that and understanding who are they and what um, what are they looking for? What do they need? What do they want? Um, and that will really help you to hit the ground running next year. So in next week's podcast, we're going to be talking around planning. So um, I alluded to a couple of podcasts ago, how we'd done our um, plan for the year and then our quarter plan. And so I thought it would be a great opportunity to share with you as you start into 2021 exactly what you might want to be doing and looking at as far as planning is concerned. If you want a little bit of reading in the meantime, then you can read Traction, which is written by Gino Wickman. And that will give you a great start on, on the road to creating a plan for your business um, in the forthcoming year if you haven't done so already thanks for listening guys um, and happy researching um, I'm assuming you're not doing too much selling this week and I will speak to you again next week bye for now thanks for listening to the Selling Without Sleeves podcast if you enjoyed this episode please head over to iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you're listening from to leave us a review it's a good way for us to know what you like so we can create more of it